Welcome to Reflections of Darkness. This is your gorgeous drag horror hostess, Evil, coming to you from my lair of eternal damnation. Well, it's Valentine's Day again. Are all my pod people out there enjoying boxes of chocolates, bouquets of flowers, and many, many, many of those little chalky, almost inedible Valentine's Day message hearts? <laughs> That's not only for all my paired-up pod people. All you single pods should be treating yourselves as well. And look, by listening to this episode, you've already found one way to treat yourself without knee pads. <laughs> I think it's time for a few quick reflections, don't you? <laughs> quick reflection number one is Lake Mungo from 2009. Now, this is an Australian documentary-style horror movie. But I say that loosely. Where it is clearly horror in a paranormal sense... It's also like real life issue horror with like the neighbor thing. This movie had a lot of twists, but never lost my attention and they all paid off in the end. I'm really surprised this movie is not more popular. The setting is good, the acting was good, the idea was great. So I give Lake Mungo from 2009, eight and a half out of 10 bags buried in the desert. <laughs> Quick reflection number two is Blue Sunshine from 1977. Okay. This is a weird one, but I really like the main idea of it. Some of the actors made some interesting acting choices, especially the main guy. I feel with a few tweaks, this could have been a great movie. Who knows, some of the clarifying details it needed may have ended up on the cutting room floor. But even that being said, it's an interesting watch, and I recommend you watch it at least once. So I give Blue Sunshine 7 out of 10 wig snatches. <laughs> Quick reflection number three. The Cars That Ate Paris from 1974. Now this movie is also weird, and despite what you might infer from the title, it's Australian. <laughs> yes, The Cars That Ate Paris, Australia. Now this one was trippy and gory and just wrong in some parts, but never dull. And that spiky silver car was amazing. The whole thing felt like an experiment of an experiment, <laughs> that makes sense? Again, this is one you should watch at least once. So I give The Cars That Ate Paris 7.5 out of 10 blinding lights. Well, I think that's enough quick reflections for tonight. Before we get into tonight's main feature, remember to rate and review the podcast to help me spread the darkness. And feel free to message me any comments, questions, concerns, whatever. And follow me on all my socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and all that info is over on my website, evilqueensf.com. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. Well, I think it's time for tonight's main feature. So settle in, grab your drink and a box of tissues for, um, you know, the nosebleeds. <laughs> and enjoy Valentine. Tonight, I am reviewing Valentine from 2001. We start off with a red intro and ominous music and an old yearbook from 1988 and some clips of a poor nerd asking a bunch of girls to dance, and they all turn him down, and some in not-so-nice ways. Poor kid. Shelly, dance with me? In your dreams, loser. <laughs> oh, Louie? Will, will you dance with me? Ew! Paige? Will, will you dance with me? I'd rather be boiled alive. Kate, wanna dance? 
Maybe later, Jeremy. Okay. Maybe later. Then he asks another girl, whose nickname is apparently Buffalo, to dance, and instead they end up under the bleachers kissing until they're caught by a group of bullies and things get a little false accusationary. Is that a word? <laughs> Check it out. Thick and thing, getting it on. Yes. You like it, Buffalo? Getting hot? Stop it. Get away from me. Is Pervert at it again? Pervert attack you? Yeah. Jeremy attacked me. He attacked me. Pervert jumped Buffalo. I, I, I didn't know. Pervert. Then, a la Carrie, they dump a huge bowl of red punch on him. Then the nerd guy's nose starts bleeding as the bullies strip him down to his underwear and start beating him up in front of the whole class. And someone in a creepy Cupid mask is watching. Title card, Valentine. Cut to 13 years later. One of our main women, Shelley, played by Katherine Heigl, is on a terrible date with a douche canoe who keeps referring to himself in the third person. Ugh. It's simple, really, Shelley. You see, from an evolutionary point of view, Jason looks for an attractive young woman because he wants healthy children. And a young woman, like yourself, looks for a successful man, like Jason, because she wants to feel safe. Um, Jason has some, uh, spinach in his teeth. Oh, <laughs> thanks. Anyway, and so the species survives. I mean, what else is there, really, in the end? In the end? Well, there's the check. <laughs> what, that's it? What's it? Don't I get a kiss? Excuse me? Well, just a little freaking kiss. Oh, God. Look, it's hard to get shit doesn't play with Jason. You know, Jason, I'm not a doctor yet, but it's my considered opinion you seek psychiatric help. Soon. Says you. Cut to Shelley heading to a morgue to cut up a corpse named Chad with a somewhat prominent bulge. Uh, Rigor Morris girl. <laughs> Before she can dig in, she hears a noise and of course goes to investigate being all alone without a weapon. I mean, she doesn't even bring the scalpel with her. Ugh, stupid. Jump scare, and we see a guy who I guess is from her class or a night watchman or something. It's unclear. So he leaves and she notices a valentine with her name on it stuck to her locker. Oh, But it has a creepy message. Journey of love is an arduous trick. My love grows for you as you bleed from your neck. And the card had some cool neck cutting action. I mean, that must have been an expensive card. <laughs> so she heads back to Chad, and as soon as she's about to cut into him, he takes a breath, and she stumbles back as Chad's body falls out of the cupboard from behind her. So when she turns around, the body that was on the table is gone. Bum, bum, bum. So she actually does something smart and picks up her scalpel. But then she does something stupid and starts to look for the person that was on the table. <laughs> she gets grabbed from behind a hospital curtain, but she stabs the killer with the scalpel and then she runs. She should have stayed and kept stabbing him, but you know, I get it, it's a horror movie. But still, one stab and leave the scalpel? I mean, come on, girl. So she runs towards the elevator and the killer starts walking towards her calmly. And the killer is wearing that same creepy Cupid mask from the dance from 13 years ago. And she keeps running and the killer's just casually walking and she ducks into a room with a bunch of body bags. The killer enters the room and unzips a few of the bags, then just starts stabbing them with what looks like a 10 inch chef's knife. Very nice, classic. He gets to the last body bag, unzips it, and there's Shelly. So he slits her throat and blood starts leaking out of the nose of the Cupid mask, leading us to believe it's the nerd boy from the dance with the nosebleed. Bye bye, Shelly. <laughs> 
Cut to two more of our main women, Kate and Paige. Paige is trying to convince Kate to turbo date since she's on a break from her boyfriend. And all these men are the worst. You know, my mother's family dates back to the Mayflower. I traced it myself. She makes her own turtlenecks. She had nine children. Awesome, huh? She's a, she's a pretty amazing woman. Left me out of the goddamn blue. Says she can do better. Says I don't fulfill her needs. Sexually. It's obvious to me. Girl's gotta be a dyke. Greatest team in the history of professional football. 49ers! The Bible. The Bible is the foundation of morality and marriage. I know what you're thinking. You do? I'm thinking you want to get the hell out of here. It's pretty good. That is actually an underlying theme of this whole movie, that all men, no matter who they are, are terrible in one or more ways. Every guy in this movie has a major failing. Uh, alcoholism, womanizing, money-sucking, creepy, or just plain douchey. Maybe that's why this movie didn't catch on. It was too early in the Me Too era. <laughs> Way too early. Anyway, as they are leaving the turbo dating, Kate gets the call about Shelly being dead. Cut to the funeral scene, and who is there but hot, hot, hot David Boreanaz as Adam, who is quote-unquote dating Kate, but they are on a break because he's an alcoholic, allegedly. But he says he hasn't had a drink in three weeks. Then awkward kiss goodbye as he drives off in his convertible. Oh my god, David Boreanaz is so sexy. I mean, him as Angel, in Bones, that one internet video that I've watched way too many times. Oh, Google it. Oh, Tana. Anyway, we see our four main women, Kate, Paige, Lily, and Dorothy. And the police are there asking questions, but they didn't really keep in touch with Shelley, so they're all not helpful at all. Cut to Dorothy's massive house, and she's received another interactive Valentine's Day card. Roses are red. Violets are blue. They'll need dental records to identify you. Just then, the doorbell rings, and it's a guy, Campbell, that she met at yoga a month ago with a sob story, so she lets him stay in a guest room in her huge house. I smell con man on him. <laughs> then we meet Dorothy's stepmother. Who's your friend? His name's Campbell, and I met him at yoga, and he's off limits. So just let my dad know he's staying here for a few days. Is he the reason you've been spending all your time on the treadmill? Kim, you're not my girlfriend, and you're not my mother. I'm just taking an interest in your life, Dorothy. You know, as your stepmom. When you're old enough to rent a car by yourself, we can discuss your role as my stepmother. In the meantime, don't talk about my sex life. You have a sex life? <laughs> yeah, I do. And I don't charge by the hour like you. How dare you? Oh, get your hands off me, you mail order bride from hell. Say you too. She just called me a mail order bride from hell. Dorothy. Well, I don't even know what she just called me. Then we never hear from her or the father again. <laughs> Cut to Kate in the shower, and she hears noises in the apartment. So she goes to investigate, saying, Hello? 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 Why in horror movies do they always announce themselves a hundred times? Ugh. So she goes to get back in the shower, and there's no water. None. Nowhere. Not the bathroom sink, not the kitchen sink, none the refrigerator. And she has soap in her hair. What does she do? Well, she sticks her head in the toilet to rinse it off. 
So while she's giving herself a swirly, the phone rings, and no one's on the line. But her front door is wide open, and she keeps hearing dinging from the elevator. So she walks out of her open front door, down the hall, and something is keeping the elevator door from closing. And it's one of those Cupid masks. Then we meet her creepy neighbor, and so then she runs back to her apartment. These people are just trying to get themselves killed. Cut to Lily and Paige watching some dating service videotapes, which by 2001, were those videotape dating services still a thing? I guess so. I don't know. Anyway, their doorbell rings, and it's a Valentine's Day heart box and a rose and another card. Tis a well-known fact that beauty is skin deep. Savor the taste. You are what you eat. Well, that's sweet, I think. It's the strangest Valentine I've ever seen. The card is signed J.M. And the chocolates have maggots in them. Ooh, protein. <laughs> so they're trying to figure out who J.M. is. John McCrae. Never even made a pass at me. Jeff Malik? Mm, not his style. Jake Matheson. Yay. Who is the guy who sent you the computer virus? I'm Beckett Broda. Oh, damn. J.M., J.M., J.M. Jeremy Melton? Who's Jeremy Melton? I'm kidding. No, who, who's Jeremy Melton? Come on, sixth grade? Pervert, 60 pounds. Book teeth, you look so pretty, babe. <laughs> <laughs> he can't still live in town, can he? Lily, I'm kidding. No, I know, it's just, what do you think happened to him? I don't know, what does it matter? It doesn't. God, we were so horrible to that kid. Cut to an art show of a guy named Max who has seen Lily, and the girls start putting pieces together. It was really strange. A Cupid mask, like a cherub. Like at that Valentine's Day dance? What dance? Junior high. God, Jeremy Melton. Oh my God, this is so weird. We were just talking about him this afternoon. So at the art installation, quote unquote, they split the women on one side and the men on the other. It's this maze of video screens of lips and eyes and random words like love me and what do you like? And it's just very, ugh. Anyway, Lily and Max are making out and another girl comes up because Max invited her, but Lily wasn't into it. So Lily storms off and gets lost in the maze of screens that start to turn off and go static and they're sliding around creating more of a maze. Then Lily is shot with three arrows by the Cupid guy and over the balcony and down into a big trash bin as the blood trickles out of Cupid's nose. It's a great kill. Bye-bye, Lily. <laughs> Cut to Campbell fighting with some girl, calling him a leech. It's his ex who, she says, stole from him. See? I knew con man. Anyway. Cut to Kate and Adam out having dinner at a bar. Um, I guess that's not really a great place for someone who's apparently trying not to drink, but whatever. So Kate, talking about the art show and the Cupid mask and the elevator and her creepy neighbor and that her underwear were missing from her laundry. <laughs> and yesterday I noticed that my underwear was missing. Oh yeah, don't worry about that, that was me. But I, I like to try them on, you know? Makes me feel free and tap into my you know, feminine side. Cut to the police interviewing the three women and Lily is missing, but we knew that. But Paige says she's out of town, so they don't know that she was killed. So then the police show them a sympathy card from Jeremy Melton sent to one of the parents of the murdered women. And inside it just says, too bad, so sad. <laughs> then, <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me. 
Then they all say they've received scary valentines from JM, but they thought it was just a bad joke, so they didn't tell the police. Ugh, stupid. The police think it's someone called Jason Marquette, who we never see in this movie. Whatever. Then Dorothy finally admits to Paige and Kate that Jeremy Melton did not attack her at the dance because she thinks she's the next victim, so she had to get that off her conscience. Then we get some obligatory internet searching for Jeremy Melton. It's not even really a search. She looks for like five seconds, just as jump scare, Adam picks her up for dinner. After dinner, Adam walks her home and doesn't go upstairs with her. Ugh, she is so dumb. He is so hot. I would have dragged him up those stairs. Anyway, cut to the police station. Okay, so first you guys get Melton shipped off to reform school. Here later, he lands in juvenile hall. Six months after that, a state-run mental hospital. It's awful. Must have done some number on him at the dance, huh? Where is he now, detective? No idea. All we know is that his parents died in a fire a couple years back. Was he involved? Don't know. Ruled an accident. Then they do the computer age enhancement thingy, but none of the variations look like anybody in the movie, so meh. So the cop starts asking the women about the men in their life and how Dorothy barely knows Campbell, and that's a red flag. So the cop holds Paige back and sends the other two on, probably because she's kind of the quote-unquote slutty one, and he thinks there is sexual tension between them. Paige, actually, I'd like you to stay a moment. Uh-oh. Am I in trouble, detective? You want to interrogate me? Well, just take a second. Talk later? Sure, if I'm not under arrest. Please, take a seat. So, Paige, what are we going to do about this? I thought that was your job. You're the detective, right? I'm not talking about the case, Paige. Don't be coy. I'm talking about this. This? Tension. The tension? A sexual tension. Let's be frank. Detective Vaughn. Please remove your hand from my thigh. All right. Where would you like me to put it? How about up your ass? Cut to Kate's apartment and the steaming iron. Girl, you can burn down your house. You keep leaving your iron plugged in. So the killer grabs the iron, walks in on Kate's neighbor in her bedroom, jerking it to her panties in stockings. And then the killer beats him to death with the hot iron. <laughs> then the bloody nose happens. Love it. Bye-bye, creepy neighbor. Cut to Kate pulling up to her apartment building as Adam is ringing the bell to get in. So they exchange Valentine's-ish. She gets a cookie and he gets an IOU written on a dry cleaning claim ticket. Whatever. So Kate heads up to her apartment and the iron is back on the ironing board like nothing happened. But oh my god, there's a noise in the bathroom. So she lifts the iron and almost clobbers Paige. Honestly, I think she should have. <laughs> so the police call back and they say they have a suspect in custody. Jason Marquette. But we know it can't be him because he was the murderer was just there. Cut to Campbell fixing the hot tub for later that night as Dorothy gives him his Valentine's Day gift. A watch. An actual gift. <laughs> and then they start to get busy. But cut to him having difficulty performing. He needs some of those little blue pills. Uh, were those available in 2001? I don't know. <laughs> Didn't need them. Um... <laughs> So she goes to shower, and Campbell surprises her with a golden Cupid necklace. But apparently, he still can't rise to the occasion. So he says he has to go work out and go to a meeting before her big Valentine's Day party that night. Cut to Campbell giving someone's account information to someone over the phone. So he's clearly a con man. Dorothy Intercom calls him to go relight the pilot light for the hot water. 
down in the basement with the flickering lights and the long hallway and an axe and a block of wood for some reason. Then we get this cool shot of the killer down the hall behind Campbell. So as he is lighting the pilot light, the killer grabs the axe that was conveniently down there and gets him right in the back. Bye-bye, Campbell. Cut to that night and the most amazing Valentine's Day party you've ever seen. I mean, tons of people, multiple floors, lights, decorations, food, music. It's a lot. Dorothy is mad because Campbell isn't there. And then Adam shows up for Kate, which makes Dorothy even more upset because she doesn't have a man. Back out in the party, Paige and the Turbo Date guy are dancing. And he just wants to go upstairs and says he has a surprise for her. So they head up past Dorothy, who is still angry and waiting on Campbell. Upstairs, Turbo Date guy said he had a surprise for Paige and he undoes his pants. We're upstairs now. Yes, we are. You had a surprise for me? Yes, I do. Surprise. You brought me up here to show me your penis. That's so sweet. Well, what are you waiting for, honey? Box it. <sighs> You're unbelievable. So she gets him totally naked on the bed, ties him down with silk scarves, blindfolds him. Then she waxes it all right. She pours the wax from a three-wick red candle all over his penis. <laughs> and then leaves him tied to the bed and just walks back to the party. That was pretty cool. I like that part. Cut to Max trying to talk to Kate at the party, and Max says Lily never reached L.A. <gasps> but we knew that. Okay. Cut to Campbell's ex skulking around the house when she interrupts the killer dragging the maid's body out of a room. So she runs and hides in the sauna where she finds Campbell's body. Then she goes to leave the sauna and bam, gets thrown through a glass shower door and her head gets impaled on this huge shard of glass. Great kill. Bye-bye, Campbell's ex. I wonder why we never got to see the maid get murdered. Eh. So the police call and tell Kate that Marquette was released and that he may be at the party and that he's on his way over. Then Kate catches Adam drinking, so she's pissed and he's drunk-ish. I mean, we only see him drink one glass of champagne. And if he's really an alcoholic, one drink does not get you drunk. Not that I know from experience. Shut up, you don't know my life. <laughs> Cut to Paige in the hot tub, all alone, at a party with a million people. Um, okay. So she closes her eyes for like a second, and the door shuts, and she turns around, and there's a rose next to her bottle of champagne. This killer is so quiet. It's weird. So she gets out of the hot tub and starts the, hello, hello, does someone want to be my valentine? And then, bam, the killer grabs her and throws her back into the hot tub, closes the clear lid, which is really cool, but it doesn't fog up. So it must have not been a very hot hot tub. Eh. And so then the killer starts drilling into the hot tub with this enormous drill until he clips her shoulder. Then he lifts the lid and throws the drill in and electrocutes her and knocking out all the electricity and killing the party too. Bye bye, Paige. <laughs> then Dorothy and Kate start having a fight and you can tell that Dorothy has got some deep seated issues. You really can't stand it, can you? Can't stand what? That I found someone just as good as your boyfriend. Just as smart. And just as good looking. That's ridiculous. I mean, why? I mean, why should I? Why should the fat girl get a turn, huh? What? Oh, come on, Kate. You've always been the popular one. And Shelly was always the brainy one. And Lily was the fun 
one and Paige was the sexy one and I was the big fat one. And as far as you're concerned, that's exactly the way that it is. Well, you know what? Screw all of you. So Kate calls the police guy Vaughn, who should have been there by now, and she hears a phone ringing outside. So she follows the ringing and finds the phone, the IOU from Adam, and Vaughn's head. <laughs> Bye-bye, police guy. Kate heads back into the house, and Adam is there. Is he the killer? She thinks so. So he's there and asks her to dance with him. So they start dancing. As he's apologizing for drinking, she thinks he's the killer. I mean, we think he's the killer. Then she knees him and runs off to find Dorothy. But she only finds Dorothy's room a mess. And Adam is there, confused. And then he chases her through the house. As she is running around, she finds Paige's body, clobbers Adam in the head with a champagne bottle, then finds Campbell's ex's body. She gets a gun from a gun cabinet that was just randomly down there, and then starts roaming the house again. She opens the door at the top of the stairs, gets surprised by the killer in the Cupid mask, and they both tumble down the stairs together. They're both laying at the bottom of the stairs. As the killer sits up, Adam unloads the gun into their chest and goes to take the mask off of the killer, and it's Dorothy. The killer was Dorothy! So Kate hugs Adam, crying. Adam calls the police, finally someone did. As they're waiting, I just don't understand. All I can think is someone is that lonely or that angry. They can learn to hide it. But inside it never dies. It just stays there. It's away at you. Till one day you have to do something about it. We all liked her. We were friends. Sometimes that's not enough, I guess. Then his nose starts bleeding at the end. Ba ba ba. So, okay, so the ending makes it seem like Dorothy could have been the killer, but the nosebleed was the killer's thing. And in a deleted scene, Adam knocks out Dorothy, puts her in the killer outfit, and as she's coming out of it, disoriented, she falls down the stairs with Kate. Then he kills Dorothy, so he is the killer. And the reason he didn't kill Kate was that she didn't turn him down at the dance 13 years ago, but just said later. And then they did dance later. So he was the killer the whole time and got away with it. Woohoo! Go killer! <laughs> I did read something about him going after the boy bullies that stripped him and beat him up at the dance too, but that part was also cut out of the movie. I think both those things should have been left in for continuity, but... I think it's still a good movie either way. It's not super popular, sadly, but I think the idea is good, the acting was good, the kills were inventive and fun, the soundtrack was good, even though it's not available on vinyl, I still might get it, and I like the twist ending and the killer getting away with it. And the, also the killer's mask was pretty creepy too, which is always a plus. All in all, it's a great Valentine's Day horror movie. Plus, it had hot David Boreanaz in it, so um, hello. So I give Valentine from 2001, eight and a half out of 10 red plaid rooms. Ooh. Now, don't forget to rate and review the podcast to help me spread the darkness. Feel free to message me any comments, questions, concerns, whatever, and follow me on all my socials, 
Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and all that info is over at my website, evilqueensf.com. Well, that's enough Valentine's Day horror for me tonight. Time to go put on the knee pads. <laughs> As always, keep watching scary movies. Could be our fate, Kate.